We continue analyzing the filmography of martial arts superstar turned director David Chiang, now working as John Chiang in the 80s and past wacky wuxia parody and comedy slashy hybrid, we find Chiang in a latter 80s uh, Hong Kong cinema. Producing frequently and more even tempered as he lets Bill Tong and Lydia Shu mostly lead his straightly made frames. If that's a good thing or not, Find out with me, Kenny B, and Tom KW as we take a look at David Chang's Mr. Handsome. So welcome back to the sporadic but still dedicated the director series. We haven't abandoned David Chang, we just uh, can't do this on the regular, uh, despite the small filmography, that's why you're getting a sporadic series. So uh, you've heard me, but uh, let's hear Tom KW. Say hi, buddy, and welcome back to TDS. Yes, hello everyone, very happy to be back in TDS, as we officially, you know, kind of, uh, that's our official jingle now. If you can't tell, we came up with that just... What's just TDS? Your TDS. Uh, that was a combination of minds. Who's TDS? Your TDS. Have you got TDS? <laughs> Lini's going to clean for that, lad. I went there last week. <laughs> okay. Had my yearly TDS checkup. Did you have your shot, your TDS shot? Ow! Right in the cheeks. In my, my, my cheeks in my mouth or in my butt? I don't know. Probably knowing you, you you'll bring the tone down when I didn't mean bum, but you... We'll bring the tone down. I so thought my cheeks. I thought my cheeks. I thought up there. This is not this week in sleeves. This is the director series where we're bringing the claws up. Therefore, injection in the cheek it is. Yes, let's get on with it. This is the director series on the Podcast on Fire network. We are on podcastonfire.com. You'll find this show. I will show some Hong Kong cinema, Japanese cinema, Korean, sleazy ninja, and what have you. So you can make a selection and you also find bonus episodes on there. And we do them every now and again connected to this show email us if you have any feedback comments or questions podcast on fire at googlemail.com join us over on facebook we have a page you can click and like that we post show announcements on there and we have a discussion group that we post some show announcements obviously show updates and discuss asian cinema in general and all those links are available on our website join us over on twitter our handle is at podcast on fire i review hong kong movies taiwanese movies ninja movies and a variety of genres at SoGoodReviews.com and over at SleazyKVideo.com I post my video content, my spoken audio video reviews connected to my main reviews and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews and the director series is available on iTunes. Rate and subscribe and if you have the time please leave a written comment and you can do that on Stitcher Radio as well. I think the comments are, you're just able to comment via the applications. But regardless, stream us on Stitcher Radio, either via their website or download the free applications from the Apple App Store or Google Play. And then just search for us once you're in. Vcinemashow.com, friends of ours, and uh, you are part of the review team over there, occasionally letting out a sweet, well-thought-out review, mostly Hong Kong tinted, but nowadays... uh, if you review something Hong Kong, it might be a co-production of some sort, so you're going to have to expand your cinema range, if you will. You're the Hong Kong mainland China expert over at vcinemashow.com. All right, you're going too far. All right. <laughs> no, another uh, another sporadic outlet of mine, much like uh, the director series, the aforementioned director series. Uh, but yeah, there's a good little archive there if you want to check it out. Hopefully it'll be updated soon, but who knows? I don't. And I'm the one who's doing reviews, so... There it is, people. Stop putting too much pressure on me, everyone. I can hear Tom, like, running out of the room crying. Like, he, they're, they're doing it again! <laughs> All righty, let's... Uh, listeners, before we uh, dive into it, we have a little rundown of what's to come, because we have a few sections during this episode, despite only focusing on one movie mainly. And I have put running times in the show post on podcastonfire.com but you can also access those in the iPhone podcast application by tapping the show art but only after downloading it it doesn't work if you stream it so you can check running times that way but what's coming up is first of all quick reviews of uh, 
Silent Love and Double Fattiness. It's actually one movie is before Mr. Handsome, that is Silent Love, and one movie is after Mr. Handsome, that is Double Fattiness. And my choices were really Double Fattiness and Mr. Handsome I'd not seen, right? So I just uh, sort of randomly picked them. That's why it's slightly out of order, but we're still covering the movie that happened after Mr. Handsome, albeit in short form. So Silent Love and Double Fattiness quick takes coming up first. After that, we'll briefly discuss the career of comedy veteran Richard M. And the episode concludes with the review of Mr. Handsome. Alright, let's jump into it, buddy. Quick takes, because uh, we want to touch upon most, if not all, movies David made, but we don't want the series to go on forever. So we continue the tradition of doing quick take reviews for two movies that were axed, so to say, even if they are good, they were relegated to the brief quick take format. Let's open the floor up to you first of all, and we'll take a look at Silent Love from 1986. So this is not your quick opinion of it, this is your quick take review. I'm not going to interject that much, uh, we're going to take turns here. So your review of Silent Love goes as follows, colon. Thanks for yeah, filling me in there. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to say, Ken, I think that you chose the right films for the quick takes and the right films for the main reviews. Even though I don't like to be nice to you, but I thought I'd say that because you definitely picked the films with the, you know, I don't know how you did it, but, you know, there was a lot Silent Love I'd about. seen, but so it was just a matter of, um, yeah, we'll put that in the quick text, why not? Okay, so that's right. I'll, okay, I'll give you half of that then. I'll give you, I'll give you half Sweet. the credit. Sweet, point. <laughs> but uh, Silent Love, I mean, you know, Lao Ching Wan is he's a style icon. That's the first thing, straight off the top of the dome, I'd like to say that. He's an ex-con in this one. He's an ex-con style icon. That rhymes. You know, it's it's actually a, a fairly sweet, if if not special, little drama with some you know harshness towards the back end, unexpected. But yeah, good a good little early performance from the artist formerly known as Sean Lau. So you know, I, I didn't hate it. Um, I thought it was it was okay with some decent little beats. There's a few annoying annoying. Moments, but I thought it was uh, it was quite a unique, you know, story to kind of deal with, uh, you know, a bunch of deaf and dumb people, uh, youths, and kind of put a story, kind of a, I mean, you could say it was it was it was a trial story, kind of put that onto you know their lives and kind of how they deal with it. So it was it was okay. Hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. It, it's okay if it's not hugely impactful as a drama, and this is a drama. It's not this wild time with a lot of genres or not in it, rather. And it's certainly from this filmmaker who believes in this story of doomed characters. And you're very right, having deaf-mute characters at center is uh, highly unusual. And obviously there's a lot of sign language, uh, translated sign language, obviously. They didn't, you, you know, Hong Kong cinema, they could have like been so lazy. Like, there's no audio for this, there's no need for oh, subtitles. That would be intolerable. To because they have... were working like that, dude. They were working with audio only. So that I've seen worse sloppy errors uh, the movie lee rock 2 where with, with andy lau was the cinema print if i remember correctly hearing rumors of it because i never saw it it just stopped ha- having subtitles maybe halfway through amazing. like we're done <laughs> well, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> but but yeah uh, going back to silent love uh, david chang poses the challenge to us if we should care for characters that are feeds these deaf mute characters are pickpockets um, or if they are sympathetic because they're lost so i guess those are questions and uh the, decent little thematic in there and uh, Lao Ching Wan's ex-con enters and becomes the catalyst for them to do better. The only reason he's a style icon is that he went into jail at the end of the 70s and comes out in 1986 and has... You so know, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? His uh, pants and his uh, shirt is uh, epic. Uh, quite uh, flares flare and bell bottoms and stuff like that. It's so. a beautiful combo. We also get a uh, little Babby Roy Chung in this as well, which is nice to see. Yeah, looking exactly the same. Uh, and also, I'd like to just point out a moment with blood and a certain character and water, which I thought was very exceptionally well done. And uh, I was quite surprised at the film because it was you know, very low-key before that. But when the kind of darkness starts hitting, I think it's uh, it's done very well. Dave is definitely growing as a filmmaker. He is. He is. He control, he's in control of his story beats and there's quite mm, sweet natural scenes between... Uh, the female lead, Season Ma and Lao Ching Wan, uh, because she's teaching him because he has his handicap is that he's been in jail for about seven or eight years, so he can't really function in society yet. So she is showing him um, how to go about in society. And uh, like the conflict is between small time gangs, but it's still dangerous and eventually violent um, because uh, these are gangs who just hang out by 
little ponds, essentially. Like they they don't they don't rule any area of Mongkok or Simchatsoi no. or anything like that. They're like um, they're out in the new territories and they're they're the gang. Don't go near our pond. You know, it's not a big social commentary. It's just what the story is about. These uh, possibly doomed characters and. Um, I, I found one scene rather disturbing. Uh, they know a character that is a prostitute in a van, and sometimes her pimp uh, comes to visit them on this uh, houseboat kind of thing. In one scene, the pimp uh, starts beating the crap out of her, and all the characters kind of casually look at it and uh, do not intervene as such. They just sort of expects this, unfortunately. And I think shortly after this is a light moment when within all of this where they all laugh, so I thought that was kind of like, ooh. Is that, that that is not funny. That is not funny. A woman being beat up is not funny. But uh, like her, still the sweetheart of the movie is uh, season Ma, I think uh, with Louching One and uh, them trying to do better. And uh, how if they are able to do better, that's obviously up to you, listeners, to find out if you um, if you watch this movie. But they're they're kind of on their own. There's no adults in this movie. There's barely any adults in this movie, and uh, the drama is quite low key. There's no huge melodrama but it's not breakout affecting necessarily either but uh, it's affecting when it hits uh, the darkness towards the end and uh, and Lao Chi Wan is this rare adult that sides with these uh, characters he is older than them like uh, let's say these characters are mostly 16 maybe he's like 24 or 25 mm. or something like that so he's that adult at the end there's some as I said strong and to the point violence and uh, it doesn't need to be more stylized than that it's effective for what it is, and uh, we, we we like the characters to an enough extent, and uh, where we follow along with the drama, we understand the drama, and, and it becomes okay, but not super impactful. But uh, it's it's his first real successful, purely dramatic movie since The Delinquent, his very first one, like uh, which was out of control, kind of on the nose and all over the place. But here it's he's uh, learning to rein in his intentions. Evolvement is uh, always exciting to see in a filmmaker. Yeah, for sure, for sure, I would agree. It um, doesn't mess around with kind of the ending as well. I think it's quite natural and suits the, uh, the tone of the film towards the back end as well. Very good. I do have to say that I think every single one of these films that we're reviewing in um, this episode, I know at least two of them, contain a scene with a main character discovering a major event via a news report playing on a nearby TV. So that's a, a trope of Dave's that I, uh, I noticed there. At least three of them. Definitely happens in this one. It's drama 101, I suppose, but there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Like, if you can further the story via that, then it's absolutely fine. So, And even in one of the movies that we watch, maybe wrong couples for the next episode, like the news report is not like taken out of reality because I think actor and director Clifton Coe is like the news reader in one of the reports. Yeah, so like, that's, yeah. Uh, there is that. It happens in this one, and it also happens in. Um, I think I think I filmed tonight. Yes, I think I'm pretty sure. Right on. Let's move on to the. We jump past Mr. Handsome. We're going to come back to Mr. Handsome in 1987. Silent Love was in 86, but we jump past that to our second quick take and David Chang's comedy Double Fattiness from 1988. There's hard, you know, there's no drama looming here. This is a movie called Double Fattiness. In in your quick take opinion of Double Fattiness, my friend. Double Fattiness. Double Fattiness. Double Fattiness. Uh, yeah, Double. It's a, Double Fattiness. It's a, um, I would say that it's a hardcore drama with Lydia Shum trying to lose weight or some trials are going to kill her. I'm, I'm sure that movie could have been made or even was made. Oh, I've watched the wrong film then, clearly. Uh, yeah, it's another fair slice of, I would call it, supernatural working-class comedy um, from Chang. Uh, that old trope, uh, that old mix. Hong Kong cinema is so predictable. The supernatural working-class comedy Same again. Bollocks. Same old bollocks. Tom KW, <laughs> double fatness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with some fun performances, you know, not a lot of great ideas on display, but breezy enough to sit through without getting too bored. That's that's it. That's the basic. Yeah, it's. A, I can even lay down a little bit of a uh, of a plot uh, just because of, because of our, I wrote it. Like the big evil company of this movie wants to develop an apartment complex and sends Paul Chun's Chin. Paul Chun is the elder brother, I think, of David Chang. He is the brother. And uh, they want to buy out off the sole holdout, which is a pizza shop run by the family consisting of Bill Tong, Lydia Shum, and Eric Tsang, the son. 
Uh, they refuse, but tragedy strikes as the wife dies. So he is kind of dark, leaving a husband and a son aimless. But, 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 here's the supernatural stuff. Finding a way out of the afterlife and into immediate reincarnation, the wife now takes the form of who? Tom K.W. Takes the form of the babe known as Maggie Chung. But wait, there's more. The husband meets the exact doppelganger of Lydia Shum's character and starts kind of falling for her. So what starts out as a simple working class comedy, which was fine. I I, I like that kind of straightforward. Supernatural like, working class comedy. What starts out as a simple working class comedy switches to unexpected darkness and creative and fun afterlife depiction. I like the scenes in the afterlife. Oh yeah, with, with Dave himself showing up. In yep, the- he's a, he has a little, little cheeky little cameo at the end. And he's keeping the frame busy. David Chang, he channels the chemistry between his performers quite well. Um, I always liked Bill Tung and Lydia Shum in movies. And they had done a couple of movies together, including It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World in 1987. Yeah, it's got a few sequels, hasn't it? Yeah, it's three of them. Three or four two of them. sequels. First two were okay. Third one, it started to run out of steam. They, they kind of started repeating the same scenario. They get rich. And what happens to them then? Like, it, it happens in at least two of the movies, the same scenario. But uh, it's a free-for-all energy here. It's pleasant to follow and to be around. It's not like the greatest comedy at all, actually, uh, that Hong Kong cinema produced. Uh, mainly, I, I think the first half is stronger because um, it becomes a bit more random and skit-like for the second half. Probably too many ideas for its own good, to be honest, in terms of like not good ones. But uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's good fun. Mo- mixture of mostly light and some dark and uh, even a macabre, uh, some macabre humor. But it's been... At least a week since I saw it, I even forgotten what the macabre piece of humor was. Uh, I'm sure it had to do with the afterlife to some. Yeah, well, they were like killing themselves and stuff, wasn't it? Oh, it's, yeah, uh, that was yeah, it. Yeah, that, 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 that was a bit dark. I was like, ooh, I don't know about this. But yeah, it's uh, it, nothing wrong with these. Not offensive at all, but it doesn't mean like he's uh, this uh, medium filmmaker that has nothing to offer. Like, he offers a pleasant enough comedy uh, comedy in this one and um especially since it has a supernatural angle that that's when you sit up and go like wait hey, <laughs> all right what's going on here and uh th- there it is there it is there's a the quick text let's move on to mr handsome and uh, i found a plot for it submitted by oliver chu on imdb that goes as follows a middle-aged hong kong man the character of bill lao played by bill tung is married to two domineering and stubborn women which are the characters are patsy and nancy played by lydia shum and wong wan si respectively but nonetheless he treats them as his queens when he was told that he cannot em- immigrate to the United States with two wives, he seeks the help of his U.S. citizen doctor friend Richard Chow, played by Richard M, by asking him to marry one of his wives and divorce her later when they all reach the States. Meanwhile, there's more. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the doctor is trying to court his much younger girlfriend May, played by May Ho, and does and does not realize that the, his nurse, uh, nurse M, in the office he works at, which is played by Carol Cheng. Uh, he she has a crush on him, so it's a bit of a bit of a busy sort of slapstick aura going on there. And we'll get to the movie, but first of all, let's talk a little bit about comedy veteran Richard M. Richie, Richie, in the he's like a UK representative uh, nowadays. Like he lives in the UK, I believe. Yeah, he was. He was. I prefer his, uh, his, 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 um, he's got a second name here. He's got, um, Elias, uh, alias, uh, of Rickian, Rickian. It's the old Ricky there. That's, that's all right. No, it's actually true. I don't know where he was credited with that, but apparently, yeah, he's credited somewhere with it. That, that really takes away from, uh, I like Richard. That sounds, uh, very noble. And, uh, yeah, I don't approve. I don't approve. I prefer Ricardo, is what I call him. Deal with it. But anyway, veteran actor of mostly comedies in the booming Hong Kong cinema of both the 70s but mainly 80s and 90s. And he was born on December 17th, 1939. And his very first credit is a minor appearance in Enter the Dragon director Robert Klaus's Golden Needles that otherwise stars Joe Don Baker and also features Roy Chow. A distinctive early role and exposure was in the hugely successful and hugely funny, hilarious Hoy Brothers comedy, The Private Eyes, uh, which features action choreography by Sammo Hung, and it would be one of the many times uh, Richard crossed creative paths with Sammo. Early on in his career, Richard actually directed one film, his one and only film, Murder Most Foul, which he also starred in. And, and judging by the cover, it 
looks like light could be dark too. Thriller he's, comedy, he's got, possibly. He's got like a mousetrap or something going on. Yeah, it looks like. Catch some big, big rats here. I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's a Fortune Star title or not. I've never actually looked for it either. If it's on VCD and have a watchable version. But The Murder Most Foul, directed by Richard M. Mm. And among a bunch of credits in uh, famous and uh, fan favorite action comedies in the 80s, we found him, we find him rather as a staple in the Lucky Stars movies, starting with Winners and Sinners, where he famously has the scene where he thinks he's invincible at one point, which is a highlight of Hong Kong comedy in the 80s. Really well choreographed, one of those place vases and stuff in strategic areas, because Richard Um is clearly running around butt naked in that scene. Yeah, he's got to have it out, yeah. It's a highlight of just film in general. And I love that the guys, he isn't invisible, but the guys play along and he's clearly just waving his dick around in their faces <laughs> and they have to ignore it and the actors have to ignore it as well. I think it's a wonderful scene there. So uh, I, I like Windows and Sinners based on that alone, but it's a fun movie in its own right. But distinct success also came when Richard was paired up with John Shum for the cop comedy series Pom Pom, starting in 1984 uh, under the guidance of Sam as producer or his company. He was always a dependable comic uh, presence, comedic presence throughout the decade, including in Wheels on Meals, in Jackie Chan's Miracles, Mr. Vampire Part 3, where we see his butt again. Was that necessary, Ken, to highlight that? <laughs> Very much necessary. <laughs> He's in My Cousin the Ghost, which was partly lensed in London, alongside uh, Wuma. But he also dabbled in more dramatic fare, such as The Wrong Couples, also directed by David Chang in the movie we'll discuss in the next episode. Richard continued to work steadily in the 90s, but did relocate from Hong Kong to London in 1997. He was actually educated in England. And uh, Tom might have seen some of these appearances uh, that I'm going to mention that he made over in the UK on TV. He made an appearance on BBC Scotland's Soap River City. But I I, I did see the following. He appeared briefly in the 2009 Red Dwarf Back to Earth special where he played the Nose Maker, which uh, is a reference to an homage as opposed to James Hong's role as the Eye Maker for Replicants in Blade Runner. Yeah, I saw that. It was a bit, it was a bit crap, but uh, Rich was good in it. Oh, uh, that, that was one of, unfortunately, it was one of the low points for Red Dwarf. Wasn't it the one where they traveled to Earth and they had all this meta crap about, oh, a special is going to air on TV about us? It was very kind of like um, Wink Wink, wasn't it? Yeah. Didn't really work, unfortunately. I'm a big big fan of Red Dwarf, but unfortunately that was... um, It was a two-part special thing. They didn't do it for an entire season or anything, so it was over quickly. Other big roles include playing the Emperor of China in the Channel 4 docudrama The Great Wall of China. He does still do Hong Kong movies, uh, despite having relocated. He played Daniel Wu's father in Beijing Rocks, which I believe is like a 2001 movie. And he also played Donkey Wang in Choi Hak's Detective D and the Mystery of the Phantom yeah. Flame. It's a rather fun thing. He like transforms in from either one form to himself or from himself to another form. Uh, and uh, I, I like Detective D. It was... It was good fun. Like, I feared it was going to be this mainland epic, but it was surprisingly a straight, fairly creative murder mystery. A, a bit too modern for my tastes, um, to be honest, but uh, I think Troy Hack did, uh, did okay with that, and it was fun to see Richard in it. And also, to uh, round off the, the recent roles, he appeared in a distinct role in 2013's Rigor Mortis for director Juno Mack, his... Uh, a horror movie, uh, so, sort of with homages to hopping in uh, a vampire genre and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw it recently. Not too bad, not too bad. Like, Chin Su Ho is in it. Is Anthony... it yeah, Chin Su Ho's lead, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Anthony Chan, uh, Chung Fa, and uh, Richard Um. And uh, that is Richard on the poster. He's this, um, I won't spoil it, but uh, you, you see a character with a rather pale face and sort of a necklace over his face on the poster. And you can see scars on him as well. That is Richard. So go look up, look up that poster. I'm not sure it's him all throughout. I think possibly when that character gets to look like that, they, they possibly mix actors and stuntmen and possibly puppets. But Richard is in the movie and does very well. It's not like, oh my God, he's a wacky guy. I can't take him seriously. Totally can take him seriously. Totally can take him seriously. As for his personal life, because it kind of ties in with the industry, Richard has four children, including Carl M, who works as a model and actor in Hong Kong films, including in Set to Kill, and as recently as in Man with Iron Fists 2. So I think he has a fighting role, possibly, in that movie. I haven't seen it, nor the first one. 
let's uh, round this off with some uh, quotes. Uh, Richard Ch- shared some quotes about his life and career in an interview with Hong Kong magazine that elaborates on this biography a little bit. So for starters, quote, In 1970 I felt England was boring and I had come to a stop. I thought, why not come back to Hong Kong and see how that goes? Becoming an actor in Hong Kong was almost accidental. One of the clients at the hair salon that he took over was politician Selena Chow, who was also working at TVB as a producer at the time. She asked me, you look so westernized, what the hell are you all about? Your moustache is so English, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> it's rather harsh, I don't think you look very westernized, but there, there it is. I told her I had just come back from England, where I was acting. She then asked if I wanted to be part of a show she was doing. And I started working behind the scenes. I was writing gags and jokes. And occasionally I acted. Sometimes Michael and Sam Hoy required extra roles along them for certain gags on their TV shows. Working for TVB will never make you money. I was working there because it was fun. Uh, another quote, I feel lucky to be part of the golden era in Hong Kong cinema. I used to know nothing, but I've worked in every aspect of filmmaking. Not a day went to waste. There is only one genre of film that is widely accepted by all audiences, and that's comedy. In real life, I have my own sense of humor. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And furthermore, I'm very close to my wife. We have been together, we have been through so many challenges in life together, even in our relationship itself. It's been 48 years, but there was never any question that I would face them without her. And on his son, on the, uh, on his relationship with his son, I told Carl that as an actor, the worst thing you can do is to expect things to happen. He wasn't as lucky as me. He didn't work in the times that I did. Every day I woke up uh, to do something that made me the happiest I could be. So that's rather like level-headed advice, like yeah, uh, because the the opportunities and works they're not as frequent as back then. I think seventies um, and eighties where the movies or TV. And the final quote: uh, I don't have to care anymore. I'm successful, and I'm not going to starve to death. Let go and don't be stubborn. They're the same thing. One applies to the past, and one to the present. If there is something that upsets you, you have to put it in the past. If you are too stubborn, you will miss opportunities in life and it will stop you from achieving goals. Very, very well said, yeah. And finally, Richard has been nominated twice for Best Actor at the Hong Kong Film Awards for 1983's Winners and Sinners. Best Todger. Best Todge, yeah. <laughs> Winner. Goes to Richard Um. <laughs> like, no one else did it that year. <laughs> no, but he, he was nominated. And also he was nominated for his performance in Jacob Cheung's 1989 drama Beyond the Sunset. I've seen that. I've kind of forgotten he was in it. I, I remember it being very good. Uh, Cecilia Yip and... Uh, I believe Petrina Fung, but uh, Richard. Um, I, I think Richard was supporting actor, if if um, if anything. Okay, let's move on to Mister Handsome, the main review for this episode, and I'm gonna be quiet for a little bit and ask you, Tom, for your brief opinion first of all of Mister Handsome. Richard, Richard was in an episode of Genie in the House. What? That's like the biggest something in the UK, or no? It was just like one of the worst children's TV shows I've ever seen in my life. In uh, over here, I'll have to ask my sister about that. Didn't you do an advert on some kind? Of some he kind did, too? yeah. I can't quite remember now what it was for. I can't. Was it? Was it tea? I think it was tea, wasn't it? Was it a cup? Was it tea? I don't know. I can't. We'll check that afterwards. Like, sh- sh- share your fucking opinion now, <laughs> Mister Handsome. It's a bit of a mess, but not a terrible film. I got my problems with it, but it was fairly enjoyable. I kind of agree. It doesn't signal a huge step up or change for David Chang compared to the early 80s movies because they were so genre distinctive, one being a wuxia parody and one being this slasher comedy hybrid. But it's quite a packed comedy of misunderstandings and uh, some, some slapsticks, but slapstick, but it's all mildly conveyed by design, which I like. It's pleasurable even funny at points but again not impactful i did david is not like creating comedy classics here but i don't mind it's got comforting and engaged performers to help the movie move along so it's like even on the theme of the quick takes or at least the uh, double fattiness the comedy out of the quick takes it's absolutely fine well and you you it's okay to forget about it a, a day or two later you know <laughs> yeah yeah it comes and goes and enjoyable but i don't think there's a lot in it that's you know particularly memorable 
But Richard, you know, Richard and Bill have uh, great chemistry together. You know, that's always a, a positive. Yeah, the the elder actors essentially are having great chemistry here, which mm-hmm. is a point I'll get to. And uh, we we open up with Bill Tong either being a nasty bugger or economic, picking up eggs from the trash and picking up eggs from the floor. So because I didn't know anything of the movie, I was like, what the hell is this? Is this like a, an economical commentary? Uh, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we get another Lydia Shum and Bill Tung team up. And it, it seemed to me that they liked each other. It's, they certainly were a commercial pairing for a while, especially in those It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. One and two are the strongest, I think. And I think David Chang has a fairly distinct supporting role in the first one. So, so he was around that movie, but I think it was a Clifton co-joint, if you will. Successful though, so uh, hence making free movies about that uh, about that family. But uh, like, uh, it's it's nice to see that these actors got a chance, and I think that decade was the prime decade for them to be commercial um, elements. Like, you can put elder actors in movies, and the money could come rolling in, you know. And uh, it, it's nice to see. Nice to see. It's not a given. Certainly not today that. Like the the all the elder actors are the one that that are that are bringing the bucks in, you know. That's true. It's all about the fresh meat these days, especially in Hollywood. And it's uh, yeah, it, it, it it's nice to go back to a time where older actors are given a chance to shine, you know, really shine. It's you know, great example of that. Do you remember seeing a lot of these uh, Lydia Bill team ups, or you just kind of know of them that they did? I a lot just of know know of a lot of them. Yeah, what's the one? Um... No, I don't want to try and name it, but I've seen I've seen one of them. I've definitely seen that first film, um, the one that you were talking about, the three. It's a mad, mad, mad world. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the first one. I've seen the team of people. I can't quite remember, but they've always been they've always been really good together. Yeah, they got they have got good chemistry. Yeah, like she she's always loud, but she's never been grating. I think I think never annoying. No, no. So that, that that's a testament to her, both of them. I mean, uh, both of them are passed away, unfortunately, by this point. Bill Tung and uh, Lydia Shum. There, there are funny side gags here with uh, the again because I didn't know anything. I thought I was oh, this is intriguing. Like why the hell are the rooms divided in in two, like fifty fifty, and Bill is sitting there in the middle? It's a very funny visual seeing these women like hmm. Hmm. Like on the other side, and uh, you, there, there, there's like fun questions to ask yourself before the main plot kicks in, and you wonder if he's juggling women like in this scumbag kind of way, where he's like, "Oh, I can't be content with one. I gotta have two. Like you don't know that either. But uh, there's a he's for some reason married to anyway. It's a it's kind of a scumbag thing, I suppose. But he still wants to keep the two, and uh, apparently they're all fine with it. So I shouldn't judge. Like. Uh, They've worked out a schedule, clearly. <laughs> clearly, yeah, yeah. The schedule is there in place. Yeah, like, like routines are there in place. Like on Mondays, these things happen. And uh, on Tuesdays, these things happen. Like uh, even who who gets ex- escorted to the door on a particular yes. day, that's a routine. It's a good kind of symbol as well later when it kind of, they become kind of friends and the plot twists again that they can kind of cross the boundaries. So I think it works well, him setting it up, you know, early on that they kind of, you know, don't like each other. But it never gets, I don't know if you even noticed it, uh, this, I'm not saying you're stupid for not, but it, did you notice that despite being this situational comedy that it felt kind of quiet? It, it wasn't like a lot of, ah, yeah, what's going on? Like, it, to me, it felt like it, uh, David Chan wanted to keep as real of a tone as he could considering the scenario here. Yeah, I think he does that in most of these films. There's not a lot of kind of this, this, this kind of these next couple of like this, the one before and the one after. I think he, he, he doesn't go too far with the comedy. There's some stuff that's a bit doesn't work, but I don't think he ever kind of reaches too high. He just kind of has a lot of ideas and and some of them don't work. Rather than kind of he just keeps grinding out a gag that's over the top. It's kind of like he throws kind of bits here and there, and then they never feel never feel too too too, too much, but. I just think the main. I think there's just too many characters. Yeah, there's yeah. too many too many characters are introduced, and their motives and their drive are not really made clear. And if we get, you know, we got Bill, his wife, his other wife, Rich, his assistant who's in love with him, who's also his fake wife, Rich's actual love interest, and then her potential love interest. It's just too much, and I don't understand why Rich's character character is going to the lengths he's going to. 
It's just it's just unbelievable. Like, why is he doing this? Like, I don't I don't quite understand. Yeah, and the problem is also by the end of the movie, not all things are resolved. No, no, we don't get any any resolve really with kind of what's going on with his other. But I don't know why he's going out of his way to to prove to her that he's got a wife. I don't get it. Well, well, the reason is, but I do agree, it it is quite packed. Uh, I, I I need to stop and like make some notes even for this situational comedic plot here but uh, Richard he's the opposite of Bill he he has a fear of commitment like he wants to keep it on there he, he wants to be a bachelor because uh, that's more fun like he like he says that like fool fooling is more fun is one of the <laughs> one of the subtitles so it's fooling fooling yeah fooling is more fun yep, yep and so he's trying to keep this girl at distance that's what that's why he's bringing a dog around and and what was that about well the beats here are that Richard is asked by May, his younger girlfriend, to like let's tie the knot, which leads to one of the more broader scenes of the movie where he falls down the stairs. Like, I, 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 I don't, 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 don't. oh yeah. But it, like he tries to distance her by making up this fake wife who has cancer, and that will work fine. But it doesn't because she says, "Oh my God, I'll stick with you." Like you need support. So he, so he tries to tries to distance himself and f- make up this fake life, which includes taking a dog for a run that that big enormous fucking dog for a run and that's why the dog plays into it so the dog is also named richard isn't it uh yeah i believe so or he changes the name of it um to something else uh, he but... keeps calling rich and he keeps and the dog keeps coming yeah, ricky <laughs> ricky <laughs> it is quite busy i agree and and you kind of need to like i at least need needed to kind of like draw a little chart or to take a break yeah, yeah. Just, just, just breathe like what's what's going on here I don't, I don't get it but for broad moments like that when he falls down the stairs it's good that you have richard there yeah it's it's the, it, the best bit is when uh, i think my favorite like moment of his is um doing the disco and they're playing chinese whispers they're like kind of passing on oh that's that's what's the name's boyfriend and it kind of passes around, and it gets to him accidentally, and he just looks at him like he just gives it. He just gives that look, and it's it's great. Like the camera just like pans to him, and he's just looking at the guy. It's that, he, it is good. I don't think he gets enough chance to really shine in it. To be honest, I think he's he's kind of he's got the materials not particularly great. There's a lot there, but none of it's amazing. But there's a few moments like that that mentioned one where where he gets that kind of he gets that reaction shot. Well, I think the the, the lesser truth in that, but there's also that fact that it is kind of toned down. The material is toned down. It's getting that middle ground, and I suppose it's getting that middle ground. So, so, so I think Richard is asked to be not asked to be toned down, but that that's the logical kind of performance here. But I like also that Richard isn't like this dope or stupid here or anything. He is he is a bit of a scumbag that who fears commitment to the degree where he needs to make up so much stuff about uh, this fake wife and this fake life and all of that but I, I love having Richard um, the reactor here I-, I said it in the review of Heaven Can Help which he was also in for uh, David Chang that Richard Um's reactions are some of my favorites when he when his eyes get a little bit bigger and he just goes huh but he but, but he doesn't go like her but normally he just <laughs> he goes oh and realizes he's in deep like deep trouble or is just sort of shocked, and I think he's so good at that. I think Richard is good at by doing little. He doesn't need to go like, wow, and get cartoon hair or something like that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that kind of reactive kind of comedy that he does. That he reacts very well to certain situations, which is good. But I think it was just it was I don't know if it's just a bit written a bit better. Some of the uh, some of the gags, I think it would really really you know help. But he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. In a way, it's a very talky movie, and uh, one mm. one theme that I'll touch upon, I suppose, in this episode and the next is that David Chang is very content with letting actors talk, and, and but he isn't this um, low way kind of boredom director where he just lines them up and have them talk back and forth like that. There is shots, there's coverage, there's cutting back and forth, but he seems to favor and has found a comfort in letting actors act and i kind of enjoy that it's not like david mammoth style here it's not like glengarry glen ross where everyone is trying to up each other or anything mm. but the like the, there's no flourishes here by design i you know there's not not no like huge crane shots and style and choi hark flashiness where everyone's <laughs> where the camera starts rolling or anything like that no there's not no, no stuff like that so it, it kind of feels like a d and b movie despite 
this not being a DMB movie, uh, the wrong couples were, where they, they made these modern comedies that weren't very flashy, but uh, very pleasant and funny in their own right, and uh, stuff like that, like modern Hong Kong uh, comedies that didn't stray that much mood-wise, I think uh, that's what I think of when I think DMB. When I also think of DMB, I think uh, they, they they were too ambitious for their own good because after a while they started to up like budgets and ambitions and that just sank them immediately. Um, case in point, the Black Cat movies, uh, uh, especially Black Cat 2, which was mm. this big, made in English, made in like expensive Dolby's around and mm. uh, like this is going to be huge and it flopped so badly, DMB just yeah. shut their doors immediately. So, so DMB eventually, ambition is good. But yes. they, they, it, it kind of just failed, uh, failed for them, unfortunately. Bill Tung is a good reactor, I think, uh, especially when uh, Lydia Shum and Wong Wan Si are changing verbal jabs and stuff like that. So, like, it's simple to have someone in the middle looking at the left, middle looking at the left, looking at the right, looking at the left, looking at the right. But he's a veteran to the degree where I think that that's also fairly fun to to have him as a reactor. And even Richard Umis gets in between those women at one point where. Well, uh, it's one of my favorite scenes with him as a reactor because they've both dressed up. The one he chooses, they don't want to be chosen themselves. Yeah, they want they to sell do. themselves badly because uh, they both want to be with Bill. So they start to sell themselves really badly and Richard is like looking back and forth, reacting to them and saying in the end, I, I think one of them says, you're a devil. No, you're a devil. You're both devils. Which I think is... It's uh, some of my favorite, like, low-key stuff. They're, like, a good, understated reactor. I think uh, Richard Oum is uh, as as much of a funny comedian, physical comedian he is, and a bumbling comedian that he is. You know, f- think of miracles when he trashes the office and stuff like yeah. that. It's, yeah. like, I, I, I love that stuff, but but I love when he uh, reacts to a situation. That's, uh, and, and, and his face is, like, priceless, obviously. It's, uh, it's one of those faces that... Uh, he isn't an ugly man, but he just has to face up uh, for comedy. He really does. He's a beautiful man-child, who, which is the title of Mr. Handsome in Cantonese. I Looked fairly fit in Winners of Sinners, I have to say. Like, it, well, he, oh, I can, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah but I can admit it. I can admit it. I wouldn't do it for a million bucks. Like, uh, but, uh, yeah, he uh, maybe thumbed up. for a million bucks? I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't do what he did in Winners of Sinners for a million oh, bucks. No you mean you way. Do, do Rich for a million bucks when I thought you just, you'd do him for free? rich come on and i guess uh, carol chang is uh, deserving of a little mention she is the straight woman in this one she's not the comedian carol dodo chang her fatal way style here the, she may, maybe it's like a lesser role for her in a way but i still think the crush is somewhat cute in a couple of instances where she keeps uh, a lot of pictures of richard in her apartment all uh, the same one <laughs> Which is uh, nice, I suppose. Like, it's not psychotic necessarily, where, like, when everything goes bad, she starts stabbing the pictures or anything like that, no. So, uh, uh, and, and it has those misunderstandings, obviously, where she thinks when he arrives at the apartment to get the dog, that, oh, she thinks, like, he, he wants a companion to jog with, and she thinks, like, oh, do you? Yeah, totally do, totally do. You have a companion, like, you are a... <laughs> and, and all he wants is the dog, and uh, it, it's, like, even, it's it's not classic, clever comedy necessarily, but it does get a pass here because you you got performers to sell it to a decent extent and a director that um, can keep those things in control, you know. And, and and that dog is, I don't know what breed it is, but when he puts the dog in his car, it takes up both the the passenger seat and a little bit of the driver's seat. It's uh, it look, it's as big as a camel, it looks like. I was thinking, watch the leather itch. Bloody hell, like just throwing a dog in the front seat. <laughs> And uh, some other random stuff. Uh, Teddy Yip makes a two-scene cameo. And, like, it, this is silly. But I, I still like it. Like, Wong Jing probably wouldn't have done it as well. But at one point, uh, Teddy Yip comes in and um, and Richard uh, Chow, Richard Moon's character, greets him. Like, hey, Chow Yun-Fat. No, no, I'm Choi Yun-Fa. <laughs> like, oh. And he hurt, he had hurt, he's hurt himself practicing judo, judo at that point. So he comes in in this makeshift sort of thing to stabilize himself with like a couple of boards taped to him. <laughs> so I, so I don't know. It's those kind of like quick beats like, Hey, Chai and Fat. No, I'm Chai, I'm Choi Yun Fa for heaven's sake. Like, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm kind of weak for 
that style and uh, so that's that what what else do you want to say even if it's from the beginning middle or end of the movie i want to quite didn't quite understand um the exchange i think it's one of the wise at the beginning who says uh who invented the light bulb dixon poon I, I don't know. It's just the name of the guy at DMB. Like it's it, it's not funny. It's like uh, you could have just said like David Chang. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I love how it's like it's like you know what 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 do you want to do in this film? You could be anything. You know, or mention you. You know, you want to be oh, a porn star or you want to be a secret agent. No, invented light bulbs. Fine. Just put me in there as that. That's that's what I want. That's what I want to be known as, Dick. Like it's it's a what old pony there trying to me and the fam will love it. So. <laughs> Uh, the old uh, rose in the balloon gag as well. I need to use that one myself at some point. But, um, which gives to his uh, his girlfriend. He has the rose and the balloon on it, and she pops the balloon. Oh, All right, right, right. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It's, rom- it's romance, Ken. There's also a dude who hurts his back picking up $500. And there's a rich turn around and say, oh, I picked up $500. He's like bent his back. He's like all crippled and stuff. And he said, oh, yeah, I picked this up. So I made £200 because your consultation is only 300 And he's like, no, it's back, to, it's back up to 500 His back splits. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's, there's some sort of known classic slapstick templates here. Like, obviously, he's ju- they're juggling women and characters and situations. And it, and it is hard to keep track of. But at the same time, I think the the better choice here is that for David Chang to keep it calm and for me, it becomes more approachable. Like, there's no, like, loud, extensive sequences of hiding in the broom cupboard, like, uh, kind of style. You know who I think did that best at this time, anyway? If we um, rewind a couple of years. Dragon's Forever? Well, well, yeah, that. But uh, rewind, I said. Not fast. Forward. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> think uh, Ch- uh, Shanghai Blues. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course. That's- like, it can be made to work, but uh, that's not David's uh, choice here to do a Choi Hak and a like, choreographed comedy like that. And for this one, I, I think it's uh, I think it's fine. I, I don't know, some viewers might think it's very subdued to the point of not being funny, but I, I like that it was reeled in. I'm so used to Hong Kong comedies be so loud and over the top and feature a lot of genres in one like you know, double fattiness it's not super broad and loud but it's certainly like off the charts compared to what goes on in mr handsome yeah definitely i think it's just that fine line i think this this falls too much on the side of kind of that uh, being bland because of that when i think if you, it just, it's a fine line i don't think it trod it you know kind of banged on i think it was a bit to the to the point of being a bit boring, but it, it was it was enjoyable. It was fine, it's fine. Like there's nothing, you know, it wasn't terrible. Speaking of that club scene, by the way, uh, the the disco scene. They will go to the disco. Does anyone even use that term anymore? Going to a disco? Uh, yeah, me. Yeah, because I'm hardcore like that. Club club for me means chocolate biscuits. The chocolate biscuits you get called clubs. I don't know what. That's that's it. If I'm going out, it's disco. It's disco, <laughs> disco, 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 like that. Like you can create like these cricket sounds in a room if you mention disco nowadays. Are you going no. out of a disco? Like disco's not dead. <laughs> but but yeah, that scene I love the little beat where when May walks in with him and uh, she she's not ashamed to be out with uh, Richard and have an older boyfriend. But she introduces uh, him to all his friends like this is Richard and and they say hi uncle and I love that tit tit like oh no this is gonna be a bit awkward and then then it leads on to all of that. That, that you referenced that uh, it's the boyfriend it's the boyfriend it's the boyfriend it's the boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> so good and having Richard there again as a reactor and um, it's just that face it's, yeah it's... It, it, it works for me I'm, uh, maybe like a movie shoots up to approval automatically with his um, if Rich pulls a face <laughs> participation of face but I'm fine with that I'm fine with that I guess the broader sequence is the news report sequence where they report on that a woman has cut off her husband's penis. Dude, that and... scene for me was just like the whole scene. I just didn't. I don't know. The, do you know what? It wasn't that scene. It was a scene after where Bill's like kind of like they've gone and it's just Rich is trying to kind of coax him into getting up and out. And it was just it was just too long. It was just like come on. I know he's sad and stuff, but it was just going on for too long. Like it was almost like that. Like they had nowhere to go. Like they just didn't know where it was going, and they're kind of like they were almost thinking on the spot, like, "Hey, where, where's this? Where's this plot going now? We're gonna we'll mess around with this. We'll fill this in with these two, just kind of acting together and kind of try and get their stuff together." So, 
like the like, like the gym like the gym like the gym stuff like with with the two wives. It's just nah, it was just it was too much. It was like it needs to kind of come to a conclusion a bit quicker. That scene where he thinks his wife is going to cut off his penis. It it has the sight guys are are, are fun because I, I like the one where he puts on like eight pairs of underwear and then pants over that to make sure they don't cut his penis off. They're, they're not going to, but it's not... He just sees them as like, chop, 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 chop. They're chopping up sausages and veggies and what have you, so... I did last thing when he puts things in the toilet and like just checks that if he did go in the toilet, he could recover it afterwards. I, I, did, <laughs> I did give that a cheeky little giveaway. And Ken, how did he see that? He watched it on a nearby TV. Yes, go. indeed. Dave yeah. again. Dave coming in with that, that, that trope. I was thinking like uh, the timeline, because uh, when I saw that news report, I thought of the famous US news uh, report where uh, John Wayne Bobbitt, but I think John Wayne Bobbitt had his dick cut off sometime in the 90s by his wife. I think it was the 90s, yeah. I think this predates, the. I think it was the first, because there was that recent guy in China, wasn't there? Didn't, his, didn't the wife come and chop it off and then the mistress came back and like chopped it off again or something? That's not... That's not, that's a messy situation. That's not good. I'm not going to read up on that, like, uh, <laughs> for fear of, no, no, for fear of, like, uh, disgusting pictures and stuff like that. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. you, you always see in these movies, like, the, the press they get into, the, like, in the news report, you see the press, like, film it all, like, it's a crime it's scene, crazy. but whatever. Well, like, I don't, I don't, it looks really, like, realistic. There's, like, blood all over, like, the, the like, the shower curtain. It was weird. It's like, what's going on here? A bit of darkness there. But but yeah, as as we said, like towards the back end, there is some attempts to kind of put everything on the line, dramatically on the line, and it doesn't quite tie itself up in a pleasurable way as such. Again, not boring, but either ran out of ideas or tried ideas that didn't pan out for them. And and as I said, and I guess this is a spoiler, not everything is resolved, and I think that is a problem. Yeah, you kind of, it kind of just leaves you with a bit like it's kind of unfinished almost it kind of feels like okay so this is great what's happened but what about the other people like what's going there? like what about the whole marriage thing you know what about because he never picks a wife he never picks a wife uh, richard what about richard's girlfriend like what's you know what's happening it's so so yeah it's a uh, it peters out a little bit and uh you know i i guess to summarize it uh david chang has not turned into an exceptional exceptional filmmaker but he's got the grip decently on the genre he deals in like he can jump genres so by the time 80s come around the 80s came around he could jump genres quite uh, in a short way i think his directing is uh, level-headed again he if he favors performers he shoots performers but not in a boring like just line them up and have them stage play style recite the dialogue back and forth no no he, he um he needs to feel he needs to make it like like it, even dialogue needs to move and you need to uh, you need to change up camera because of that obviously but uh again therefore not featuring a lot of style and uh, if any if, if anything the latter half of the 80s is, is so far anyway he's carved this identity for himself the the sort of dependable comedy director but he could he could jump genres and we will subsequently examine those jumps to different film yeah it's a horror film as his last one was uh, sort of thriller, uh, sort of thriller has some slasher elements. Uh, mother of a different kind. That's the one. It's gonna be a bit. It's gonna be very interesting. Featuring the, the, the return of Lao Ching Wan, but not the pants. Oh, it's nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> For fuck's sake! I enjoyed the nice little uh, animated outro. Yeah, that was, was sweet, wasn't it? Of, it was weird, but it was really sweet. Yeah, it was like a shot of kind of creativity in a fairly, you know, mundane. They rarely do that. It's just freeze frame and then bye. Yeah, it was really nice, nice little kind of anime. I was like, oh, this is quite cute. It was, uh... And they all sail away on the clouds together, like, but but they really didn't. But they didn't because you know they got shit sort out when they get back <laughs> down from the clouds. There's, there are problems at hand. <laughs> Mister Handsome Two, Electric Boogaloo. But yeah, I I think uh, even if these movies feel like like they're not worthy of examination and, dire- and the director isn't worthy of examination because they're just kind of mild comedies. I think they are. But we have seen a lot more. We obviously went back to the Shaw Brothers days, went into the Wuxia parody that he did and obviously the the weird dark combo that Heaven Can Help was. So like th- there is more to David Chang and if we're turning heads or converting anyone via these discussions, who knows? I still think uh, a level-headed director, partly underrated, depending on the movie, is something to focus on. For sure. And that's Tom's eloquent way of... Yeah. Yeah!
push is. <laughs> no, definitely. I think it's always, you know, for a director that's not quite, you know, who a person who's more seen for acting and in a different light. It's nice to shine a light on their career that's kind of unknown about, which is exactly what we're doing with the old old Dave, yeah. And and if you don't read Chinese, you probably will miss the fact that it is him because he mostly uses. Did you mostly put John Chang on the prints? If Johnny Chang, if yeah. uh, if uh, not Johnny, not Ricky, John Chang. <laughs> uh, so uh, you you wouldn't like necessarily connect it unless you knew True. it uh, by heart. So uh, I guess that's a good thing that 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 must have been a choice that he made. I think too, like uh, David Chang Dawai was like the. Dawei, David, David Chang it is. Like, Shaw Brothers kind of came up with his name based on his Chinese name. But uh, I think he, before his Shaw Brothers days, he went with, uh, went by John, you know, pr- mm. privately. So I think uh, that's an element where I'm going to go by John now. No one's stopping me. Like, I don't need to use David anymore. So nothing wrong with being named David. But I think uh, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see him change and kind of call out the new new identity as mainly uh, director uh, when doing his movies uh, he's doing cameos but um in 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 a couple of these movies but um but as that uh, as for availability unfortunately very bad at this time it's uh, one of many 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 titles that were only on VCD laserdisc and maybe VHS never came to DVD unfortunately and like and and I think even if it had come to DVD when DVD hit in 98 and 2000 and whatever but even if it had come out on these maybe universe and AR DVDs there's a great chance those would be out of print today too it it's kind of a situation where a lot of these vintage titles are not being repressed so uh, but but yeah uh, Mr Handsome is not available uh, so like uh, we we are staying true to the purpose of the series, though that we we seek out as many movies as we can find. Uh, we are our collectors, friends in the community, and uh, we were lucky enough to see this via the laserdisc that one uh, that one of our friends uh, made sure that we uh, got access to. So um, that's that because it isn't in print, even a VCD or anything like that in um, on Yes Asia and what have you. So. So that is that, Mr. Handsome, done and dusted. No regrets whatsoever. Uh, like, no hate or anything. Like, uh, they, we might forget them after we stop recording, but at least our opinions are saved now, so we can go back. Ah, that's what I thought of. But next time, uh, David Chang takes Richard M and Josephine Chow into comedy drama territory about parental responsibility. Is it supernatural comedy drama, Ken? Nope. No, it isn't. Oh, what? No, really working class as such. A little bit, but, um, yep. It's a, it's a comedy drama about parental responsibility. And will this signal a step up in evolve, evolvement for director John or David Chang? You have to tune into here. So that's, uh, that's that, I suppose. Let's, uh, finish this one up. We are trying to, um, and again, churn out some briefer episodes. If we have background and extra reviews and a main review, we tend to want, nowadays anyway, and I tend to want to have one movie in the episode, but therefore record either on the night or a couple of nights later a second episode so you can have two weeks in a row in terms of this um, David Chan coverage in this case. So, But but yeah, let's uh, hopefully, therefore, we have another episode for you next week yeah, on The Wrong Couples. I don't, I, I don't think I even mentioned the name of the movie. That is the name of the movie, The Wrong Couples. Let's finish this one off. This has been the Director Series on Podcast on Fire Network. Our website is podcastonfire.com. You have a bunch of selections over there on a variety of uh, different Asian cinema. So uh, check those out. We do bonus episodes every now and again as well. Email us for if you have any feedback, questions or comments, suggestions or whatever. Podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Join us on our Facebook, like our page and join the discussion group. Relevant links are available in the show post and on at the top of podcastonfire.com. Our Twitter handle is at podcastonfire. You'll find that link over there as well. I review Hong Kong, Taiwanese, uh, and uh, Godfrey Ho cinema, category-free cinema, over at sogoodreviews.com, and I video review at sleazykvideo.com, and my Twitter handle is at sogoodreviews. And the director series can be subscribed to on iTunes, and if you are an iTunes user and uh, are uh, familiar with uh, how you navigate, navigate to the rating section and even leave a small written comment that will act perfectly fine as a user review or listener review 
And finally, if you don't want to download podcasts to your device, so you can stream us on Stitcher, Radio, either via their website or download the free applications from the Apple App Store or Google Play. And in your own words, what do you want to say about your little review archive, your your substantial but little review archive? Uh, in all, yeah, in all seriousness, Big Cinema is just a great site anyway. I've got reviews on there, but you know, go and go over there and check out you know John Barrow's stuff because he's he's a lot more intelligent than I am. You might get a kick out of that. If you don't want silliness, go and you read something smart, educate yourself. You know, go over there. They're, they've got that to offer over there, so uh, check that out. Also. On a side note, this just in, Rich, yeah, the advert he was in was for the RAC. The RAC is a British British automotive services company. Do you know where the headquarters is? Nope. Right, the headquarters is in Walsall. That's that's one one of my ends. Spent about 10 years there, Ken, so I've got a connection to Rich. I'm not saying it's a blood connection, but I'm saying it's adequate and it'll do. I'll see if I can find it on YouTube and put in the show links if someone knows. But yeah, he's making a living. He's making a living over there. Uh, even though he has money to tide him over, he still uh, works. He's a working actor. For hire. Right on. But uh, okay, let's uh, finish this one off. This has been the Director Series 16 on David Chang's Mr. Handsome. And I've been Kenny B. And with me was Tom K.W. So say bye-bye. Bye-bye.